The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Varsity Club podcast. We are podcasting live from a very, very, very cold Lincoln, Nebraska. We're in the Haymarket, and uh, Greg Smith is sitting across from me. Greg, all of the negative recruiting things that Nebraska, or that I guess other people say about Nebraska, they're all true. It's cold as balls right now. <laughs> it is so cold. It's so cold. And I always think about it, and th- this time of year especially with signing they have just happened, I do always think about the recruits that came from warm weather states or like that are already here especially like i, I do think about like wandale the first time he walked it out it doesn't even have to be warm weather states, <laughs> like, dude it's, it's like 40 like, degrees in Oklahoma it doesn't matter right it's cold like it could be luke mccaffrey who's from colorado <laughs> and like it's just cold. it's so cold outside especially after having been really nice over the weekend so i i don't watch the weather channel and i don't use the weather app on my phone i check the weather by getting up in the morning and asking my alexa what the weather looks like for the day huh. Today, it's very fancy of you. Today, no, it's very lazy of me. <laughs> today, I asked Alexa, "What's the weather look like today?" To which my Alexa device responded and said, "It's currently six degrees in Lincoln, with a high of twelve, I think is what it said, and a low of negative two. I kid you not. For the first time ever since I've owned this thing and been asking this morning question, mm-hmm. for the first time, my Alexa device, at the end of telling me what the temperature was, told me to have a nice day." Oh, wow. I wanted to punch it. <laughs> That's magnificent trolling. That is Pelican-level trolling <laughs> by your Alexa. I wanted to punch it so bad. Big big ball of nope, and then also wanted to crawl back up in bed and not leave. But here we are. We're podcasting. There's stuff to talk about. Um, should we talk about, I mean, the alternate intro to this podcast was like, Greg Smith is here, uh, our resident expert on recruiting, our shoe aficionado, and also a very sad Laker fan and the leading uh, advocate for the Pelicans to Seattle movement. So, how you feeling? The trade deadline is passed by the time we're recording this, so I just we, I want to get this out of the way early. The Lakers <laughs> didn't trade for Anthony Davis. Rip that bandaid off. Vent for like a minute if you want to, and then we'll get into Husker stuff. The Pelicans deserve every single thing that come to them in the future. Del Demps <laughs> will deserve it when he gets fired, rightfully so, in a couple of years. The Pelicans will also deserve to be moved to Seattle. They're never going to win anything. Enjoy the projects. I'm very happy that this will end up <laughs> happening to you. Like, and I mean every word of that. Um, I, we can, we're not going to get into the deep minutia of whether or not they should have liked the deal or not. Um, but what they did and the way that they acted and how petty they were is why bad franchises stay bad. Um, it didn't have to be this way. It really didn't. Like, it could have just been, no, move on, we're not dealing with you, and not this whole trolling, we're going to send all these cryptic tweets out, we're going to leak every single part of the deal that comes out so that it ruins your chemistry, shout out to Wendy. Like, it, it didn't have to be this way at all. So, whatever they get in the future, good. I When Dell Dems gets fired, you will see a tweet from me. I just want to point out that let's say like the other team at the end of this was the Portland Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. I think this is what you this is the team that you mentioned earlier, so that's mm-hmm. why they're on my mind. But what let's say like the Pelicans are dealing with the Portland Trailblazers 
and like the Trailblazers have this really enticing package. Mm-hmm. Let, let's just say all the exact same assets, all the same players are in play. The the Trailblazers are like, we'll give you Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Ivica Zubac, Zubac, Zubat, Zubac. Zubats, yeah, uh, and whatever the the other player and a, couple, and, a, and a couple of picks, <laughs> yeah, and a couple and picks first round, yeah. for Anthony Davis, and we'll we'll let you get rid of Solomon Hill, which was a bad contract. Yep. And the Pelicans did this to the Portland Trailblazers. Adam Silver would be involved right now. Yeah, like everyone, all your your entire Twitter timeline would be filled with people saying, "Why are they doing the Trailblazers like this? Yeah. Like poor Trailblazers, poor Portland. Yeah. Like they like why would you do them like this?" Instead, all we get is jokes about the Lakers, and people just can't wait to fire their hot takes and jokes off. Um, especially send them to me. Thank you guys. Love you for that. Um, <laughs> and so I, I've done well at with Greg Smith with HV. Yeah, at, at Greg Smith HV. Like, and so because of that, it makes it to where like it's just big funny joke, and it's awesome because people hate the Lakers, which I I will own that I understand why it's so hard to be you. Why guys there's a deep hatred with your 19 NBA titles and your Kobe Bryant and Wilt Chamberlain and now LeBron James must be so hard to be you guys. It has been hard for the last seven years. <laughs> um, it's a dark time right now, but get those jokes off. Like eventually, it's going to flip back the other way because, as I've told you before, eventually this will not come down to the Lakers having to make a deal with someone else via trade. It will come down to one of these guys that wants to go to LA anyway, just outright signing there. Like it's gonna, it'll come down to that at some point, um, or some GM will relent and trade their star to LA. Um, so enjoy it. Enjoy it now. And I, I will try to be as civil as possible when it turns back the other way. I'm glad I gave you that time to rant because I said rant for a minute and we're about five minutes, five and a half minutes in now. So I, I think you needed to get that off your chest. So, I did. I, so. I do feel a little bit better. Like okay, I got good. a little weight off my shoulders. Right a little now. relieved. Yep. It is uh, a good time to be a Nebraska fan, though, if you're a Nebraska football fan. Yes. And completely ignoring Nebraska basketball. Uh, football signing day, national signing day, which is really like the secondary signing day now after the signing period, Basically. was Wednesday, and it was very, very quiet for Nebraska. There's only one guy that signed with the Huskers. That was Demarion, Demarion or Demarion? Demarion. Demarion? Okay. I always Just call him guys. Peanut. Peanut. There you go. Just call him Peanut. Houston, four-star wide receiver out of Oklahoma City, signed with Nebraska, and that was, he was the only guy. But it filled up 26 guys. Was that the class total? The 26 guys have signed. There's 27 commits total technically because Desmond Bland is still technically a commit. Okay. So, so 26 guys signed. 26 signed. And plus one with Darian Daniels. Okay, yep. In total, I think what the number was 50 newcomers, including yes. walk-ons. Yeah. Yeah, so a bunch of new players. <clears throat> the roster, I mean, the roster overhaul in the last two years since Scott has gotten here is, is pretty dramatic if you look at it from that standpoint. Um, he made the comment in his press conference that <clears throat> when you take over at a place, you're typically two years behind uh, where you want to be and and we're like a year and a half into them and he said we're still a half cycle away mm-hmm. so but Nebraska's closer there were position groups that were seriously uh dangerously low in terms of scholarship bodies and depth when they took over you look at defensive back you look at quarterback you look at wide, wide receiver, receiver and and those three things I think we feel much better about those three position groups mm-hmm. uh than we did a year and a half ago Frost feels the same way from the sound of things um, so, on the whole, a very successful second signing, recruiting class for Nebraska. A, a, 
back-to-back top 25 classes for the Huskers. It seemed like as we were coming down the stretch, Nebraska was missing on a couple guys late, and then obviously the quiet, the quiet actual signing day at the end. Mm-hmm. Did you get the sense that people were maybe a little antsy or anxious about the close of this thing? And by people, I mean fans, not people inside the athletic department. But yeah. did you get that sense, or was it more like we've already just – this thing is just kind of like a secondary show right now? I definitely got the sense that fans were antsy. Um, and it it was really – weird isn't the right way to put it. I guess. Ah, maybe weird is the right way. It was weird to me that so many fans were so antsy about that because I did hear a lot about, man, what's what's wrong with recruiting? I did field quite a few questions, texts, and DMs of what's wrong with recruiting. Um, and my answer was pretty consistent every single time, which is – nothing's necessarily wrong they've missed on a couple of guys and it feels worse because we're really locking in on these handful of guys and maybe not even a full handful of guys it was really what three for sure charles and joku dylan jordan and stephen parker Mm -hmm. for sure were three guys that they really wanted to add that they did not get um and it's a perception thing right it's nebraska did the vast majority of their work in the early signing period and signing all those guys. And remember how excited people were in December when that happened? It's like people just forgot all about that. They forgot that Wandale Robinson signed and he's on campus. They forgot they won that battle for Ty Robinson. They forgot what happened with Noah Pola Gates, like and on and on the and on. The general public just has a very short attention span. Short yeah, and it's just like a, and like I said, the, the perception of in the timing of when it happened. So I feel like Nebraska had the exact same class, but they had split it half and half where they got half of that class in December. And then the back half of it, you had the same guys just throw them all in a hat and pick names of which one signed when. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people would feel better. They'd be talking about the rally and how great they closed versus and with the exact same guys in it. And it's just a perception situation. Um, but that but all that being said, they did miss on a few guys down the stretch. But I think part of that is that Nebraska is not, I think Scott alluded to this a little bit when he was talking about building relationships with kids um, and finding leaders in the class, right? And how many of the guys have leadership qualities and played in state championships and all of that is that Nebraska staff seems to do better when they have longer mm-hmm. to recruit you because it's a relationship staff. It is not, then I'm trying to, I can't even think of a staff off the top of my head. Miami, actually. Miami is one I'll use an example. When Manny Diaz took over that program, they finished very strong because they are it's a good staff at building those relationships quickly selling you on a vision really fast and getting you in the boat so to speak right nebraska doesn't do it that way they don't pressure you to commit on the spot it's i don't i'm pretty sure they they didn't ask a single one of these kids at like the closing meeting with frost hey do you want to commit it's always something that the prospect initiates and part of that is is then on the back end of that you see less guys decommit because they were very sure well, and that's always something that. when you talk to guys, I, I heard it from Jamie when I talked to him. Mm-hmm. That's always something that they bring up, that there wasn't pressure from right. the staff. To it comes up with everyone. They mm-hmm. all, and I've talked to people on the staff, too, that have said that. that they, it's just a rule of theirs to not do it because they want guys to really have thought it through and want to be in the class when they do commit so that they mitigate some of those decommitments later, which they ended up doing very well um, in this class. They had, what, one decommitment? 
commitment, Thomas Grayson, and they encouraged him to move on, mm-hmm. um, who signed with Kansas State, by the way, if you were wondering. Um, so, yeah, so I just think that it's it's a big perception situation, and the staff does a much better job when they have a longer runway to be able to build relationships, which is why it was so important what you said at the beginning of them finally kind of catching up as far as where they are in recruiting, have a cycle behind, um, meaning that they're not as far along on 2021 as they would like to be, but they're caught up when it comes to 2020 um, and where they want to be. And there's been a bunch of guys that are really good that are have already been on campus for the 2020 class, and they've done a great job with a lot of those guys. And this is what I think we're going to see pretty frequently. I think this is going to become normal for them is the bulk of the class is going to be locked in by that early period in mm-hmm. December, and you'll, you'll just get one or two or three, maybe four guys at the end in the, in the national, quote-unquote, national signing day. Because I just think, you know, and Scott talked about this too, and, and that's going to be a, a thing for a lot of programs, that everybody's going to want to get their, their classes locked up early. And mm-hmm. so the, guy, the top-tier talents that are going to be from December through the beginning of February – Everyone's going to be on them. Right. And like you said, Nebraska's not a – like when you were talking about Miami, I don't want to say that it's fake, but it's very like superficial Yeah, that's what selling. I was trying to – like you don't want – I didn't. yeah, I'm with you. I didn't want to come right on and just yeah. say, yeah, it's fake. But it, it's, it's just a different style of recruiting. And it's not necessarily good or bad. It's a surface-level thing. A, yeah, it's just and a Nebraska, difference, a big difference. Yeah, Nebraska wants to build those relationships. And I think that's why – I think that's why you're going to see them have success throughout the early signing period. Mm-hmm. And then I just think the 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 way that it's shaping up now is is all of the leftover kids from mid-December through the beginning of February, they're going to be kids that maybe you didn't have a relationship with before and you're coming in on late yep. because they're secondary options. That just doesn't fit well with the way that Nebraska likes to recruit. And so I don't think that they're going to have a ton of success later on. Yeah, and no, I I agree with you, but I also think, as you were saying that, think about this. Nebraska didn't have any, none of their commits elected to not sign in December, then take visits in January, and then we'll see if I sign with Nebraska. Yeah, they were all in. They were all in. I I also don't think that any of Nebraska's commits, once they committed, took another official visit somewhere else. There was no, like, and this this happens all the time, where somebody commits to a school, and then you look up, and you get a text, or you look up, and you're like, oh, man, that kid went to Penn State on a secret official visit or something like that. There was the kid recently who was the Florida State commit that, like, took a bunch of visits and then released a top three that didn't have Florida State in this Right, top three. yeah, like stuff like that. Like and it, it happens all over the country, and it, it did not happen this time with Nebraska. That is something that I will be so fascinated to see going forward, like if Nebraska can continue that. Because if they do, then I think that they've really got something cooking as far as just their culture and the way that they recruit. And we will need to look at, hey, how like other schools will start to look at how do we kind of emulate the way that you guys do that? Um, because that's a big deal if, if you can build some years of not having those situations pop up because it does make for like drama free both signing days like there was some drama in December because there were some just big decisions that were mm-hmm. being made um, public but then this time there was you know very little drama because there was only one guy that was deciding and we had a good feeling on what was going on there um, but Nebraska did a really nice job with that and it again goes to the point of that relationship building. And I don't want to miscategorize guys or paint anybody with a with a broad brushstroke because you know some situations are unique. But 
the the lack of drama on a signing day and the lack of drama with a recruit throughout the the whole recruiting process i feel like that lends itself more towards a kid that's going to be committed to you for four years through thick and thin yes as opposed to somebody that doesn't get their way in year one and then transfers yeah i definitely think that that i think that's the case for sure we'll see um but i think that if a lack of going back and forth Mm -hmm. from a kid during the recruiting process Mm -hmm. in theory will lead to a lack of that once they get to campus yeah yeah and I, and, I, and I also think, like, Frost mentioned something, like, Andrew Bunch put his name in the transfer portal. He looked around. He's obviously not going to start at quarterback for Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And they were they were perfectly fine with him doing that. And they said that they would welcome him back with open arms if he wanted to come back. And Frost said that his heart was still at Nebraska. And he looked around and decided to stay at Nebraska. And they welcomed him back. I think that approach, that's, that's just – I think that – when they do stuff like that, it furthers kind of the we care about you and we want to build relationships with you. It it helps reinforce what they sell on the recruiting trail. It does. Uh, so it doesn't look fake from that standpoint. So we're in agreement <clears throat> that these things are going to be pretty quiet, I guess, or drama-free. Yeah, especially uh, the second one. The yeah, second the one, second yeah, one for moving sure. forward. Were there any, <clears throat> just over the course of this whole class and how it came together, mm-hmm. guys that they added, were there guys that they missed maybe, were there any surprises to you? Of guys that they missed? Just in general. Anything that, that that happened through this last recruiting cycle that was a major surprise to you? Um, there was, just because I said guys that they missed. In the, like, Nebraska not getting further traction with Marcus Hicks, uh, the four-star defensive end out of Wichita, Kansas, um, was surprising to me. Because if you remember back early in, the, early in the recruiting process, he and Ty Robinson were two guys that were really, really high on their board. And I thought they would end up with both of them. Um, they didn't get Hicks. Hicks ends up going to Oklahoma. That was a surprise. Um, Nebraska, on the, <laughs> Nebraska staying in the Wandale Robinson situation was a surprise. Um, and I think that we kind of understand that even more now after Scott Frost actually came out and admitted um, that he wanted to pull out of that situation. But Ryan Held and Troy Walter said, no, 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 man, he's really good. We need to stick with him, you know, paraphrasing. Um, so that that was kind of a surprise. But otherwise, I mean, it felt like once some things got rolling, like it, it just wasn't a lot of surprise because there were some like surprise um, commitments. Like, remember when uh, Dedrick Mills committed and no one knew who he was? <laughs> like, remember that that happened? Ronald Tompkins committed out of nowhere. Um, and so there were some of those pleasant surprises, but it's hard pressed to think of too many really bad surprises or things that went went down in this class. I want to talk. We're going to talk about the misses specifically at outside linebacker later. We're no. going to talk about that specifically. Um, I was so the two four seven put out their top recruiters rankings that they do every year. Mm. Tennessee, I don't, I don't know the dude's name, but a Tennessee guy was number one on their board. Ryan Held was forty three. That surprised me a lot. I feel like how do they assign? Do they assign that <laughs> just based on your position? Because that's not how Nebraska recruits. Yeah, I think it was just based off of. The it probably group. is. That yeah. makes it easier. That I mean, it would be. In fairness to them, it would be really difficult to track down everyone. But I think the the thing that surprised me, I, he just is so incredible on the recruiting trail, and like we had a, a question in the mailbag that was like, "What is uh, DBU running back you quarterback you or whatever? Like, mm-hmm. what is Nebraska's?" you like what can they be and I said running backs and partially because of Ryan Held because I think he's just his ability to recruit guys and get guys in here 
is amazing. Like they've yeah. got a guy in Maurice Washington that could start and carry it twenty times a game, and they just added three running backs. Right, and none of them are worried. So I, I think, and they're all good. They're all very good. <laughs> like he brought. Like it's not. He is not just filling his room with just another guy. Like the guys that he brought in, and and so in his three running backs, and Dedrick Mills, Ronald Tompkins, and Ramir Johnson, and then Wandale Robinson, who he was very much involved with. Mm-hmm. Um, man, that's a that's a heck of a group to bring in, and that's coming. That's off of a four and eight season. And with still kind of some mystery about how things are going. So I say that to say, like, they start winning. Ryan Held, in theory, will be able to go recruit anybody. Yeah. Like, you're not going to, like, Ryan Held will be one of those guys that when he shows up to recruit you, you're going to, it's going to be those, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, that guy's recruiting me kind of a moment, which is where you want to get to on the recruiting trail because it happens at some other places. That would be a really big thing for Nebraska. And I, I did not expect that to be the case. And the fact that that has become the case and it has, he, he has solidified himself as, Maybe their best recruiter in such a short time. I, that's that's pretty surprising to me. Yeah, and and he just he just works so hard at it. Yeah, like and he and he and then you get this and you've you've talked to him. Um, like he's just so passionate about Nebraska. Like yeah. there's nothing fake about that. Like when he tells you that this is a great place to come be a running back at. Yeah. Like first of all, he walked on as a running back, so he knows. But then two, like he. It, it, like he means that yeah. <laughs> he means that it's a great place and he can convey that very well. And and on the other side is, is he's got a little bit of a story to tell with say divine Ozigbo. Hey, look at that guy and where he was under the previous. That was staff, my other and point. Then now this guy he's... didn't start for the first three games of the season. Yep. And he finished with a thousand yards. Like if you think like now we kind of talked about like his resume in short order is crazy. Is pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And when I say surprise, I don't mean surprise in the sense that, like, you talk to him and it's like, how is this guy a good recruiter? Yeah. Like, the you just didn't you expect it to happen that way. Yeah, no. And this is just, I just didn't know. I didn't I didn't know anything about him when he but, got here. And now it's like, oh, yeah, Ryan Held is somebody that a lot of people are going to know in a couple of years. Yeah. And for the sake of transparency, in that question that we had in the mailbag, he picked running back, which is a great choice. I picked quarterback. He did. Um and which is, I feel like it's the it's the it's a little bit of a cop out because it's what the headman is most attached well, I think to. But go at either the, or the but quarterback at the, staff that they have here is amazing. Yes, but then that's the other part is that when you think about Mario Verduzco, and if you go through and look at his history and what it's been like for his quarterbacks, it's really really good. Mm-hmm. Like there are not many misses, if any, guys that really played poorly that were under his tutelage. Um, so if you if they just continue that, um, even with the all of the turnover that happens in college football now at quarterback, like I think Nebraska will be very well set up. And and if both of our kind of predictions come true in a way, because it doesn't end up having to be either or like for the quite, for the mailback, but it could yeah. be both. If that happens, then you really have something going on, which again lends itself to because somebody listening to this will say this. Well, what about the defense? It's an offensive program. I don't like, think it's like, if, not, if, if you are running back you and quarterback you and you continue to have guys as talented as Adrian Martinez and you continue to pump out NFL running backs, it does not matter what kind of defense you have. No, because eventually – Oklahoma it, made playoffs with Yeah, that, with I was going to say, defense. eventually you're just scoring so many points that 
And see, that's the it other matter thing. when you get to the big stage. Yeah, but you're going to win stages. a whole lot of games. We have a long way to go but before Eric people should be is better than Mike Stoops at well, defense. That too, but like we have, have a, we have a anymore. long way to go before we before people can really worry about the like if Nebraska's defense can get them over the hump. Like, let's see Nebraska win eight or nine games consistently mm-hmm. and score forty points a game before we start to worry about that. Like, we've got plus, some steps to get to. Plus, in there. it's it's not like. UCF's defense was terrible. They weren't terrible. No, but they were. The... They were decent. But then you you take that style and that scheme and marry it with the coaches talk about this all the time. The power that the end still has when they go out mm. on the recruiting trail. Here they can recruit whatever defensive talent they want. They're going into Georgia already and recruiting yep. defensive guys. They're going into Alabama and recruiting defensive guys. They're getting defensive backs from Florida. Like when it gets rolling. They, they, they're not going to have any issue recruiting defensive talent to come here. And see, and that's the thing, the step that I am most curious to see is what the recruiting looks like if and when they start winning. Because I, I feel like there are there's a step or two that they can take in recruiting. And I think, especially offensively, um, that's a little bit of a scary proposition because you already, if you if you think that they're, if they're recruiting guys like Adrian and Maurice and Wandale now, what does that look like if they've if they're coming off of three nine win seasons in a row? Yeah, well, it's interesting because I was looking at the recruiting rankings and I was seeing teams with a couple five star guys and Nebraska had none. That's that's the next step. Like they're going to be able to start getting in on some of these five star kids. See, and well, part of that is yes and no. See, part of that to me is geography and where those guys come from. You don't uh, think they'd be able to recruit a five star wide receiver from Florida? No, receiver, no. Right now, I will say no because there's something, and I still don't understand. this. like I feel like while I I really like the receivers that they brought in on this class, let me say that up front. I was going back to your surprise thing. I'm glad we got to this. I was surprised that Nebraska didn't get more traction with quote-unquote big-time receivers. Like I, I feel like there was a lack of traction there, and it wasn't for a lack of trying. There were a bunch of them that had offers from Nebraska. I just don't know what the – is the missing thing there the way that – the problem there, the way that they recruit versus the way that you have to recruit big-time receivers because receivers can be a little bit different – or is it that you need some better results to show those kids? I don't know which one it is. We're gonna. I feel like we're going to find out though, because I think eventually the results will be there, yeah. and we'll see what happens with the wide receiver in particular recruited. Okay, maybe receiver wasn't the best uh, example to use, but now I'm curious. Do you think at all the style of play has anything to do with that? In the sense that they talk all the time about we're going to rotate a bunch of people in, and a bunch of guys are going to have catches and carries, and a bunch it, of guys aren't going to play. Probably, that but at the same really time, though. Yeah, but at the same time, look at Nebraska's wide receiver stats from last year and what JD and Stan did. I don't. But was that because of who the lack of other guys stepping up? I think so. I don't think it's going to be like that in the future. But they, go back to their UCF offense. So they had a thousand yard receiver. Was that two years ago now? Yeah, right. Like that was Traquan Smith, but he wasn't. He wasn't absorbing the number of targets that. <clears throat> That was more of a uh, yards per Stan. catch, high yard per catch. Kind of yeah, he was a big play guy. Stan and and JD absorbed such a such they absorbed such a huge mm-hmm. amount of targets last year because like they really really thought Mike Williams was going to be that third guy yeah. and then he just wasn't for whatever reason and then they couldn't find a third guy consistently and so it was just okay well we've got Stan and we've got JD and then we'll throw to some running backs and then we'll 
you know, sprinkling Jack Stoll as he builds that chemistry yeah. with Adrian. So yeah, be, and maybe and maybe the receiver might be a, a a weird example anyway because I don't think that you need five star receivers necessarily. You can receiver is so weird um, because guys, it feels like receiver more than any other position. You can find just like a random three star, and that guy is nowhere near his ceiling, and he ends up being great because he hasn't had maybe the best coaching in high school. He gets with a good coach in college, and then he really blossoms. Um, why are you smiling? Because we are going to talk about who your most intriguing player is uh, in a little bit. And, <laughs> and I just described your, you your just guy? You described my okay. guy. But, like, maybe, like, a five-star outside linebacker. Like, would they be able to do, be able to land that guy in the future? And that would be really intriguing. Do you think if this staff was recruiting Micah Parsons, if they would have had more of a chance with him? I don't think they would have recruited Micah Parsons. Okay. So, no. <laughs> so, probably. There's no, another bad example. I'm for two with Yeah, like, I, I just don't see that have – no, I don't see that having been a That's thing. A good point. Okay, yeah, well, like, but like, just pick another. Like, would they have had a five, better chance? Five star defensive end. Yeah, um, and he and he fit them. Yeah, I think they would have had a better chance, um, to to land that guy. Okay. Yeah. Let's stay on the defensive side of the ball. I mentioned this before. Let's just talk about the outside linebacker thing. Okay. Uh, Nebraska missed on Lloyd Summerall in the early period. Yep. They missed on Dylan Jordan. They missed on Stephen Parker. Jake, Jacob Padilla had a really good point in our mailbag. The, I think the perception has been warped a little bit in terms of the necessity of that outside linebacker pass rush guy, like the the urgency of getting one of those in this class because of how aggressively they pursued that type of player mm-hmm. to close the stretch. But I do wonder how much just a lack of – they didn't really need anything else in the class yeah. played into that or a lack of were those just the best remaining available prospects on their board like you've talked about this jacob mentioned it caleb tanner is still a thing he's, he is he's very still much a still he was a huge get last <laughs> yes. year they have a plan for him as you've mentioned several times i just hit my mic um he he's still here They've got JoJo Doman that they moved down from safety to outside linebacker. They've got a guy in Breon Dixon. Mm-hmm. They've got a couple guys on the, the defensive line that could be pass rushers. Mm-hmm. Older have, guys that are still coming back, like Tyron Ferguson. Tyron Ferguson, yeah. He's yeah. a he's a big name that you're really high on. And I really like Ben Stilley, and I think Ben Stilley mm-hmm. could still be a dominant pass yeah. rusher. If, and he's still just a junior, right? Yeah, he's still got that <laughs> ceiling. So is has too much been made about Nebraska, quote-unquote, missing on outside linebacker, slash pass rusher guys in this class or are you worried that they weren't able to seal the deal with any of those three guys that i mentioned it's 100 percent overblown okay um and part of this is it's something I, I i'm just i laugh at like how little this is brought up i don't think that rushing the passer off of the edge was the number one problem of nebraska's defense last year i think the number one problem was they went long stretches not being able to stop the run like, I feel like teams ran all over them whenever they wanted to, um, if they were good running teams, or even sometimes not in the case of Illinois, right? Um, and so I didn't, while you would like to have more pass rush, particularly from the outside linebacker spot, I think that it's overblown. And I think that part of it is is that pass rushing outside linebacker has become like left tackle where it's just one of those things that's kind of a buzzwords buzzword for fans that they know they want on their team, a dominant one of those. And if, if to them, if you don't have one of those, then it means your defense is somehow lesser. 
Like, and, and, I, and so I don't think that Nebraska is doomed because they didn't get any of these guys. Also because Stephen Parker, as good of a prospect as he was, Dylan Jordan the same way, Lloyd Summerall, I think even more so, would not have played this coming season. Like, Lloyd Summerall, had he come here, was probably going to have to redshirt or play very little because he needed to add weight anyway. Like, so, it, it, to me, it's looking towards 17- or 18-year-olds at outside linebacker to come in and immediately fix something I think is misguided because I think you need to look at the guys that are already on the roster um, to really go ahead and take another step forward to help the team out. Like, I don't, I don't think that it's the next great 17-year-old coming in to save the day unless Especially you're talking about— recruiting those five stars. Yes, and as I was going to say, unless we're talking about Chris Bogle who flipped from Alabama to um, Miami, or we mentioned Micah Parsons earlier, like guys like that, and there's only, what, one or two of those guys per season. Who's the guy, um, I can't think of it, that Bryce Benhart kept going up against in the All-American game? Oh, I know who you're talking about. Nolan Smith, that guy. That guy's going to play day one. Like He would be a day one starter here. But there's only a couple of those guys. guys Yeah, every year there's only a couple of them. Um, It feels like. One went to Georgia, one went to Bama, one went to Miami, like off the top of your head. Like, you know, so there's not just very many of those guys. Um, and yes, you'd want them to be able to close on some of them, but at the same time, it is not the end of the world. Because also, I feel like people forget that Nebraska does have multiple outside linebackers in this class. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't have, they didn't go over, right? Like, Jamin Graham out of Alabama is coming in, and so is Garrett Nelson. Everybody loves Garrett Nelson. And everyone loves Garrett Nelson, including Scott Frost, who calls him a wild man on Wednesday. So, I, I feel like there are still plenty of options. I believe they have nine outside linebackers on scholarship this season. I think we have to be able to trust that Scott Frost, Eric Trenander, Zach Duvall, Dave Ellis, all these people that people think very highly of, will be able to develop some guys. Would it be safe to say that of the outside linebackers on their board, Garrett Nelson would have been number one or at the top, near the top? That he he was like a, their number one target? Like he was the guy that they were like, we cannot miss him. Um, He's so weird. He's a weird situation because I – because he was going to come here anyway, like he was like so. It's hard to think of it that way. Um, I don't think that. No, I don't. But do I, they view him as a as a he's going to start for us at some point in his Nebraska career and be a leader for us and be very yes, good. yes. I do think he's a very important part of this class and will be someone that you hear a lot about going forward like depending on how like even even if like I don't pigeonhole him already but even if he just becomes a rotational player I think he's a guy that we're going to hear a lot about and will be a guy that is very important to the program okay so here's the point that I'm trying to get at he's an early enrollee we're already hearing about him Scott mentioned him several times at the Mm -hmm. press conference on Wednesday we've seen him in videos yeah yeah they've they've included him in those lifting videos (laughs) which I don't think is done just no, that is By, done. On, yeah, I think that's, that's done on purpose. That's strategically yeah. placed. Yeah. Um, the the two guys specifically, Stephen Parker and Dylan Jordan, they would not have been early enrollees. And I had the numbers. I, I did it in a story a while back that the guys that were only in early enrollees played for Nebraska last year. The ones that weren't didn't. They just they're not they're not going to play. Like and there's so, like and there's very few exceptions to that, right? Like yeah. Mo Washington, who is his own separate exception to mm-hmm. the, this this entire rule. Some, it, like, some of the exceptions so were at positions of need, but yeah. like I don't think outside linebacker is necessarily a position of need in the sense that something like a wide receiver 
or like a quarterback last year was. Yeah. Like they weren't gonna, they didn't desperately need a body for them. Like Caleb Tanner is probably like Caleb Tanner gonna be the starter. I yes. feel pretty comfortable. I feel saying like he'll I be think, a starter. I feel like you your two starters. I feel like are kind of entrenched. Like I feel like Caleb Tyron Tanner Ferguson and Tyron Ferguson Tanner. are your two starters coming mm-hmm. into the season, and then you'll see how to, how they mix and match JoJo Doman in. So when you have those three in the mix, like you would have had to have been pretty special to be yeah. able to come in here right away and contribute at yeah. outside linebacker. And oh by the way, you've got to jump over you know Breon Dixon and you know the Alex Davises of the worlds and David Alston and all of these guys that we don't know like our like David Austin is such a great mystery like we don't know how much better he's getting mm-hmm. and then I always say this throw this caveat in there are always surprises mm-hmm. right like guys like Hunter Miller on the offensive line for some reason was the first name that came to my mind like no one was talking about him this time last year mm-hmm. but there's always those guys at various positions so that's even not accounting for that type of a situation developing an outside linebacker well, like I don't you think anybody was talking about Tyron Ferguson at this time last that year that's even better example <laughs> Like guys that we just weren't talking about. Plus, here's the thing that I think gets overlooked a ton with the with the, the outside linebackers. Nebraska's best pass rushers last year were on the defensive line, and they came back. Mm-hmm. And we're talking. I'm talking about the Davis twins, and I'm talking about Ben Stilley. And and they're all three back. So that's going to be Luke that Gifford position. Is, we're going to have like not to cut you off. Sorry, but that that position defensive line. Those three spots and who then rotates in behind them when we mm-hmm. get to spring ball and we get to fall like that's going to be something that we talk I feel like a lot about mm-hmm. well, because there's and, a lot of bodies to try to take up snaps in there. Yeah, and they and Tate Wildeman is back and healthy yeah. and Frost mentioned him and Casey Rogers is the same and what do those two guys look yep. like at end? And and then again sticking with that theme of forgetting guys that were big wins last year, Tate Wildeman is definitely one of those guys. Yeah, like, people were very excited to get him last year. Because I'm trying to picture who's going to take Mick Stoltenberg's spot, and I can't. Well, you've got a Darian. Well, you got Daniels. Damian Daniels and Darian Daniels. Darian Damian. You have the Davis twins. You have Ben Stilley. You have Tate Wildeman. Oh, they're going to be fine. They, they're they're going to be fine. Guys, and I'm probably forgetting someone. Like they will be fine. That's the, uh, <laughs> that's another thing that we'll end up talking a lot about is that defense actually has a lot more coming back. Than the offense, but yeah, they're going to be fine. I'm now talking myself out of being worried about the outside. Line. I wasn't worried about the outside linebackers in the first place, but I'm now like we should not be talking about this as much as we are. Like, I don't think we should. Like I just think is part, but is part of the reason why that people talk about outside linebackers so much is a it's easy to see when a guy has it at outside linebacker when they're a terror off the edge. B people still are a little bit uneasy about Jovan DeWitt and his um, coaching. And then the defensive coordinator, it feels like takes all of the arrows of the fan base I think because everyone loves Scott and loves what he's doing with the offense and just trust and believe in him 100%. And it's not close to that with the defense. I think you touched on it earlier when you said it's just trendy and it's a buzzword right now. I mm-hmm. think that position and your guy Khalil Mack has kind of done this. That is like the it yes. position that everybody loves in football now because it's like before it was like, okay, a quarterback can really change the game. But now people are talking about the defensive side of the ball. And if you have that kind of guy, he can be a game changer for you. There's only, there are so few that's of those thing. guys. That's like thing. that's the thing. It's so weird it's because people discussion. just think that, yeah, people think that you can just go find that guy and you really can't, which is why I think that we need to, the focus needs to shift to can Nebraska's defense design blitz, design and execute blitzes well enough consistently to be able to get after the quarterback. And that question, the way you answer that depends on how you view this coaching staff. And mm-hmm. 99% of the people in, in either covering this team or who 
are fans of this team think that this is a very good coaching staff that is capable of doing that that sort of upper level scheming mm-hmm. which was the reason everybody was so excited when they got here exactly yeah so and they should be better in theory they should be better at that year too because these guys a lot of them coming back on defense mm-hmm. will be more comfortable and boom they're making those decisions mm-hmm. quicker and they know why things are called like that should go better mm-hmm. in year two see we're talking ourselves into being excited about the defense well, you should, i think you should and be. i think you yes and i think you actually should be <laughs> i think you, I think you really be. should be like you're one gonna hear me favorite, say this a lot that i think you should be excited player, about the defense yeah one of my favorite players on the team is deontay williams and nobody we're not talking about him we're not talking about him at all no like I think really he's going to be really good. And, <laughs> and I'm just going to pat my own back because I said last year, all leading up to last season, like all off season long, I was like, keep an eye on Mo Berry, keep an eye on Mo Berry. Mm-hmm. It's going to be amazing. And I get that kind of same feeling from Deontay Williams. Good. I think it'll happen. And then you still have Mo Berry, who also is back. Um, I, I, think there's, I think that there is big potential for that defense. I really do. Yes. There is not a ton of proven uh, commodities within that unit, but there are there, – there, that. Yeah, that unit has pretty high potential. It does. So let's talk about <clears throat> intriguing. I referenced this earlier okay. uh, when I was laughing at you and making you uncomfortable. So Super 6 is a thing. Uh, you were on the radio the other day with, with Chris Schmidt, and he asked you your five favorite players in this class. Somebody asked us that same question on the mailbag. I want to ask you, who is the most intriguing? Who is maybe a player that you don't know what you're going to get from them, like a mysterious guy like David Alston, like you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Who is a guy that you just can't wait to see how he is used or how he looks or what the plan is for him? Man, my answer changed three times while you were explaining oh, really? that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Miles Farmer. Okay. <laughs> the defensive back out of Georgia, um, who I know the coaching staff is very, very high on, um, in part because he's extremely athletic um, and is a very versatile player, um, but also in part because people describe him as a little bit of a throwback player and he's mean and wants to hit people on the football field, um, which I think is something that I can't imagine how excited Travis Fisher is to have him, <laughs> right? Like, he just sounds like a guy that Travis Fisher created um, to be in his room, which actually, like, quick sidebar, sounds like all of the guys guys that Travis Fisher brought to his room. Like, I feel like he did a low-key great job of bringing in guys into the secondary that you just, you see that guy and you're like, oh yeah, Travis Fisher would love him. Like, I feel like he did a very good job with that. But Miles Farmer, very curious to see what happens with his development. Um, He has the frame potentially to even grow into an outside linebacker one day. Does he stay at safety? Can he continue to grow and slide down in the box? Like, what happens with him? Can he get on the field early? Um, Very, very intrigued by him. Travis Fisher. Low-key doing work. He is. Yeah. Man, I might be writing about that soon. <laughs> he's uh, he's quiet, and people don't talk about him. And He doesn't He doesn't get on social media a lot. He just does his... Which started this whole firestorm about him, like, leaving and not being around. Like, it's just such a strange that thing. That was so dumb. Twitter here is crazy. The <laughs> it's, Twitter it's, rumors it's that different. can, that it's can different. start... It's different here, man. It's, this is crazy. Um, so who is, who is your guy? Who is, who's the guy that you're most intrigued? Jamie Nance, dude. Okay. Like, and that's... I just think he's going to be really good. And he's a three-star wide receiver coming in. Like he like when you were describing him earlier, a three-star wide receiver who maybe wasn't the most visible at high school or didn't mm-hmm. have the best coaching or wasn't utilized the proper way. I talked to his dad and, and and I asked him what's one thing you want Jamie to improve on. And he said one of the things the way Jamie was used in high school was it was just a bunch of go routes. It was just mm-hmm. a bunch of beat your guy down the field and catch the ball when we throw it to you. He wants him to to be utilized a little bit more and and 
diversify his route tree yeah, a little bit more, and that's something that Troy Walters is really good at. Yep. And so if that development aspect is there, he's a big kid that can put that can put weight on. He it's, needs to, he's bigger than I thought he, he was. When you see him, mm-hmm. he's bigger than what you think by just seeing his height and weight, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like no, it's, he, it just, but he's listed him, on our site that. at 160 pounds, like, I, and he needs to add weight, but he looks bigger than that. He does. Um, I, and I think he's so fast, and he's a, he's a big guy, and I think he's got pretty serious potential. And I think, you know, I, I mentioned this, I thought he was underrated and, and under-recruited and a little undervalued coming out of high school just because he played in Blanchard, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. There's I, not a lot of people that see him. Can I give you a bonus guy? Yeah. Well, who were the three guys that you were ta- that you were thinking about? Okay, the other the other guy the the bonus guy I was going to give you was, was Bryce Benhart. Like, it's not that I don't like. I'm wondering if he's he going to be option. good. If he's going to be good or not, I think he's going to be great. Um, it's how soon is Bryce Benhart going to get into action? Yeah. Like I, I feel like Bryce is a guy, and like, and, and he was under like underrated. For like he was a four star kid, but he was underrated in a lot of ways because he had like <laughs> there was no fanfare around him. Like they, him and his family, really controlled the recruiting process. They did not report every offer that they got, um, so it just they didn't go to camps or anything like that. Um, I think he's a really really good prospect um, that I could see starting sooner rather than later. But then you throw the wrinkle in that he's not coming here until the summer, and it's just really hard for true freshmen to be able to come in on the mm-hmm. line and do that. Um, so I just feel like it'll be very interesting to see what happens. The third guy was Ramir Johnson. I feel like we just don't talk enough about the running back from New Jersey who also has very good track speed, uh, speaking of, say, Jamie Nance mm-hmm. um, and Demarion Houston as well. But Ramir Johnson is a guy that we're not talking about enough, and I feel like we're going to look up and he could have a very productive career as part of this like trio of running backs because they're always going to have more than one. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll wonder why we didn't talk more about him. Ben Hart is the guy to me that like, it, can he become the, the starter at right tackle next year? I don't and be opposite of uh, Brennan Hymas. I don't. Yes. Or does it, is he, I guess this is a question for you. Is he going to play left tackle or right tackle? Right tackle. Okay. Right tackle. So they 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 recruited him for right tackle, Matthew Anderson for left tackle, okay. um, and then I think Fritschke for left tackle as well. Then Lane is a guard. So I think he could be the starter, Benhart at right tackle. It would not completely stun me, but it's a hard task to accomplish. And I'm not talking his freshman season. I'm talking about his sophomore season. Oh, his sophomore season. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I could see him at the start of sophomore season. Sorry, I thought you meant freshman. season. No, no, no. yeah, no. Um, It'll be hard. I think for him I think freshman in. season having him rotate in and get in there, I think would be great in a great stage in his development. It's funny. I asked his dad. I was like, well, because you hear about oh, he can come in and play right tackle right away. That's his dad. Hey, you know what do you think about Bryce being able to come in and play right away? And he had the best line ever. He says Bryce will play when Greg Austin says he'll play. That's awesome. <laughs> and so there's that. So don't worry about him, you know, needing to come in and start right away. Dad says he'll play when Greg Austin says he's ready. He's one of those kids I'm super excited about. Yeah. Because Schmitty asked me the same question. Who are your top five guys? He was number two, I think, on my, behind Wandale. Because I think, I think Wandale is going to be so much better than even people think. Yeah, so do I. Uh, my, my, my other guy is probably Luke McCaffrey. Okay. And I don't, I don't. I wasn't thinking that until Frost talked about him at the presser Wednesday. 
so complimentary of Luke. And he's been doing work, and he's an early enrollee, and he's here. What, I mean, what does the role look like for him? Because he's not he's not going to play. He's not going to play significant snaps over Adrian Martinez unless there's an injury, and we hope yeah. that's not the case. Yeah, definitely. But what not. is – like, he's a serious athlete, and I I trust the staff's ability to be able to utilize athletes in the proper way. Like, what does the role look like for him? That's something that I'm so interested in in year one or year two because you see, you see programs all the time that have multiple – quarterbacks or guys that are dynamic quarterbacks that can do different things you see packages that have multiple quarterbacks on the field at the same time you see you saw it with Alabama when they had Tua and Jalen and they would flex one out wide and they would do weird things with them like I think you could do that with with Luke but I don't know how much run he gets as a freshman but I am very very curious to see what his role looks like while Adrian is still here because he's too good of an athlete to just sit on the bench and not play. Yeah, especially if he really is picking up the offense at the pace that has been described, then, yeah, you you have to figure out a way to be able to utilize him. But the way that I always view this, and it's going to sound like I'm selling him short, but I'm not, is that I feel like he should definitely redshirt this year and continue to learn um, and figure things out, get ready for college football, build his body up. But I feel like Luke McCaffrey's great value for Nebraska is by the time Adrian Martinez leaves here, the program should really be ramped up in all areas. Like we should be done talking about um, development and um, how they get the, need to get the numbers right in different spots and all of that. So what could really stunt the growth of the program at that point? Boom, your star quarterback, Adrian Martinez, leaves, and you have no idea what's about to happen with the next quarterback. If you feel very comfortable with Luke then sliding in, I think that's the great value, and that's still two years down the road because I, I think I'm on record saying that I just don't see Adrian staying here the whole time, like the way that this whole thing started out. Um, hope I'm wrong, but I don't see it. Um, and so that, I think, to me, is the great mystery. Can Nebraska continue to develop him very well and have him be ready and have him actually be okay with that plan? Or do they also need to do what you were saying, which is to get him involved in packages so that he still feels involved with the team for the next two seasons? That'll be an interesting question. I want to make a bet with you right now. Okay. Oh, no, I think I know what you're going to say. Go ahead, though. If Nebraska is in a conversation where we are legitimately talking about a college football playoff, in Adrian's junior season, mm-hmm. and they don't go, I bet he comes back for a senior year. Okay. He strikes me as the guy, Baker did this his senior year. He wanted to win, and he didn't want to leave until he won. Adrian strikes me as that same kind of guy. I could see that because you know what? I can, I'm picturing like the press conference where he announces that he's coming back, and he says that I started this thing with Scott Frost, and mm-hmm. I want to see it through. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Or let's just I definitely could if, they, if it continues to go the way it's going. Yeah. Like, I definitely could see. Let's that. just bring it back one level. Let's say they're competing for a Big Ten title. College football playoff is probably a little too um, out there uh-huh. for year two. Let's say they're competing for a Big Ten title. Let's say they're playing in the title game his junior season and they don't win that game. I could 100% see him being like, yeah, I'm not leaving yet. Because yeah, because then they haven't won one yet with him. Yeah, I could I could see that. I could see it. But I'll stick I'll I'll take that action. Okay. I'll, I'll we'll figure something out. Okay. I don't know what the bet is, but yeah, I'll I'll take that. Okay. And please, Husker fans, don't send me your anger saying that you think he's leaving. 
our, our beloved. Oh, he's plenty talented enough but to he's, leave but after he's, three years. Yeah, <laughs> yes. The him versus Trevor Lawrence debate will rage on. That's going to get real interesting. I can't wait for that. That I'm like. Super fun subplot because Nebraska now for that to happen, though, Nebraska has to win more um, for people to really take notice of that. Mm-hmm. But that could end up being a really fun thing in college football. Yeah, I think maybe the bet should be you have to wear like Boston Celtics gear for a oh, day. Oh God! Or we'll make you wear like a bit. Thunder Paul George jersey. Okay, that would that would be <laughs> that'd be pretty good. You wouldn't burst into flames. Yeah, I might. I'm like, I'm just now getting over that whole Judas situation, so <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Any closing thoughts on, on this recruiting cycle as you turn the page to 2020? No, I think they did a good job. Solid B in the class. Um, you said this the other day, and I I completely forgot about this, but I, it uh, made me do a double take. A B. Why a B? A B because I feel like the, it was the class was very good. But to me, it met my expectations of what their classes should be like. I think that this is the baseline of what Nebraska recruiting classes should be. About the 14-15 range um, should be the low end, um, and then maybe knock it on the door of 10 on the high end in a given year. You're talking rankings? Rankings, sorry, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think are you not in agreement with me? Like, no, B I think that's not... completely fine. I was just curious what the justification okay. was. Yeah, I just didn't know if it was you thought that there was not like a bona fide superstar in the class. No, there what? is. <laughs> I want to. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's why I was like, mm, probably, I honestly, I think two and Bryce Bernard, I think, is another one. So, um, no, so no, that was it. That I think that this okay. is, I think this is the expectation going forward. I think they've set the baseline. And I think my closing argue, my closing moment then will be that I think 2020 will be even better. Really? Yes. Is the okay? I'll leave you with that. Okay. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. All right, Reed Greg Smith. Uh, by the time you listen to this podcast, well, we'll have this up Friday morning. So read Big Red Recon on site whenever it gets posted. We'll have coverage throughout the weekend on basketball stuff as if you guys are still reading basketball, because I don't <laughs> think you are. Actually, I know you are not still reading basketball stuff, because we, we have side analytics. <laughs> Please read basketball stuff. We put work into it. Read it. Even if it's the next morning. Read it. <gasps> Greg's laughing. All right, thanks, guys, for listening. We'll be back next week with another podcast. Make sure you're reading hot reads every morning and stuff on site throughout the day. Thanks for all your help. Thanks for all your help. Thanks for reading. Okay. Okay, bye. <laughs> okay, bye.